Our scripture passage is from Genesis 12, verses 1 to 9. For the Lord has said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward Negev. Hi, thank you, Sam, uh, for the uh, reading of the passage today. Oh, good afternoon, everyone. Good morning. Um, it's really great to be here. It's been a long time, and uh, things look quite different than uh, from when I was here last uh, two years ago. But I, I actually have to say, uh, you know, we, since we went to Thailand, uh, we've been making pretty much like an annual trip uh, here uh, during the summer. And so it's, it's been two years and two years, it really isn't that long, but it, it has, of course, for the obvious reasons, has a, a long feel. But then I realized like when I see your faces, I've been seeing you more than we normally would have, right? Because everything's uh, online. So uh, when I see your face, I'm like, oh, okay. They, you know, they, they haven't changed that much. They look familiar to me. So um, it, that's, uh, you know, there's so many, so many unexpected things going on during the era of COVID, you know, uh, things that just we, we would not have uh, even imagined. Uh, so that's maybe, I don't know, it's one, one blessing, one thing to be thankful for. Uh, I just want to bring greetings from uh, Thailand and also thank all of you for your prayers, uh, especially for our family. We've been there almost six years now almost seven years now uh, and uh, it's it's been such a, a fun journey an amazing journey a, a difficult journey uh, but through your prayers uh, through a lot of encouragement from many of you it has been really exciting uh, especially uh, thank you for praying for our safety uh, during this um, world pandemic time uh, we've been you know we've been okay with the people that we've been around have been okay and I think Thailand's been um, you know up to this point relatively uh, mild compared to maybe some places in America and of course other places uh, in the world uh, thank you so much for praying for uh, our ministry uh, there in Bangkok uh, and um, you know as Pastor Daniel mentioned now Tim's going to be off to college right so it's just me and Eunice so we're starting a, a new phase of our life even personally and I'll talk a little bit more about uh, the new phase of uh, our, our church uh, you know, here and there through the message. But you know, just kind of a lot, of, a lot of things changing and going on. So we really appreciate your continued prayers. Uh, thank you for uh, praying along with us for uh, those that are 
coming to our church in uh, Bangkok, CFC Bangkok. Uh, we've been sharing uh, a lot about uh, their needs through the um, prayer ministry. So thank you for seeing that and praying with us uh, for the, the people that we are ministering to. <clears throat> and thank you again for, uh, as Pastor Daniel mentioned, the prayer for our church uh, facility. So we searched around the, the university area. It's called King Mongkut University. We, we sort of refer to it in different ways. So uh, forgive me if I, I say I call it like Bangmot, which is the area, or KMUTT, or uh, King Mongkut, or Mojota, or, you know, so, so just I'm, I'm sorry. But thank you for praying because we, we searched in a very tight area. Like he, here's the main gate, and, and Eunice and I literally just walked one block this way, one block that way, up and down, <laughs> like over and over and over, hoping that something will open up, right? Because we're like, if we go any farther, it, it, we don't think that's the, uh, right for us. And we did look. We looked kind of on this side, behind the university, other areas where students might hang out. But it was, it was pretty clear that you know, it, we needed to be very, very close to uh, the university. So, you, you know, like when you're looking for a home or a place and you have that tight of um, uh, limited range, that's, that's not easy, right? But uh, we prayed and, and you all prayed and uh, thank God that we were able to find something. And now it's in like full renovation mode, like three months of tearing down and building. And so it's preparing to look like a sanctuary, whereas before it was a noodle shop, right? So it, the walls, the ceilings, the lights, uh, the bathroom completely, the kitchen, new uh, bathroom on the upper floors, a meeting room and kind of fellowship room on the upper floor. So we're really excited about that. Please continue to pray. We're in communication with uh, the people doing the renovation and helping us with the renovation. And I'll talk more about those details uh, during the message. But really, there's so much to say that if you want the, 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 the detailed details, you have to just kind of like talk to me or Eunice. So I, I'm, I'm setting you up to like come talk to me and ask me about it. And um, for the sake of time, I'll try to limit. Now, I have to warn you or I, I need like a disclaimer. I'm not sure what the right term is. Uh, my English is declining as my type continues to stay the same. But um, my sense of time is not good with preaching uh, because I've been preaching in Thailand for a long time now. And Thailand, we're like 11 hours ahead. Anyway, so, <laughs> so my sense of time is not good because in Thailand, when I preach, uh, I'm reading in Thai, right? So I'm just reading exactly word for word, and I have it, like, on, on paper. Uh, but here, you know, since I'm speaking English, I'm going to be less, like, looking at my five pages, right? And just, go, it, it's okay, it's a large font, right? But uh, just going, and so my sense of time is a little bit going to be off. So that's my disclaimer. Okay, so Pastor Daniel said like one and a half hours, right? <laughs> Don't worry, I got the clock right there. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into the text. Um, this is often called the call of Abraham, but I'm actually not going to develop much in, in what God said to Abraham regarding the, uh, his call. That's a, that's a topic for many, maybe many other messages. Uh, I, I'm going to focus on you know, as Abraham sets out uh, some of the things that he experienced um, early in his journey that, that we saw a little bit later in the text. But, you know, we see that uh, Abram, 
he's Abram here, but God changes his name later to Abraham. We, we know him as Abraham's, but I'll kind of use both names as we go through. Uh, forgive me there. Uh, he's, he tells him, like, leave your country, right? Leave your people, your father's household. And, and quite incredibly, Abraham, somehow we don't see his struggle, but obeys and, and gets up and, and leaves. He departs. He sets out. And without going into all the details of how difficult this must have been, really, at that time, I, I just want to point out and emphasize this one aspect, and, and that's this, that he was leaving a life. He was leaving a place where he was already very well established. He, he had security there. He probably had influence there. That's a big thing, right? Think about that for yourself. Right? He had influence there. He had people who liked him. That's really big. He was leaving all of that. What I think is a very strong sense of the place of his identity. Right? We all know even now, right? Where we grow up, the people we grow up around. Right? They are very, very influential, probably the most in, in forming who we are, forming our identity. And I, and I think I can say that in that culture of Abraham, that, that, that ancient Near East culture where the, the clan identity was super, super strong. Right? For him to leave that, that was really big. He was, he was departing from that place where like, this is who I am. This is how I know who I am. And God said, you're, you're striking out from that. And for, for us, following God means that. But following God, there's this process of stripping away what we thought was our identity, who we thought we were, so that God can rebuild it. And maybe the correct, the, the, the appropriate image for us here, uh, following Abraham's story, is like uprooting. We are uprooting our previous identity. And God will recreate us. We are new creations in Christ, right? That's what the Bible tells us. And that's, it's not just like little peripheral things. It's not just little habits. It's who we are. That, that's, that's what it means to become a Christian, to change who we are. We allow God to determine our identity, not the people that we're around, not, not those circumstances, right? As, as important and valuable as they are, right? to be a Christian, to follow God means we are uprooting and allowing God's will and word for us to determine who we are. So that's the, that's the first thing that uh, I want to have us consider. And then we'll, we'll move on from there. So Abraham, he leaves. And after that, we read in the latter part of the passage that he's, he's a foreigner. He's a stranger in a foreign land. He becomes a nomad. He doesn't even just go and plant and find a new home. You know, like, kind of like myself, right? I left America, went to Thailand, and, and, and found a home. He's like moving around. He's a nomad. It says he, he, he lived in tents. He, he pitched a tent here near this tree. That's his address. I live near this tree, right? Like, and I live in between these two places for now in, in, in my tent. 
And I want to uh, linger here on this idea of dwelling in tents. So that's going to be the main focus of uh, the message today. This is this idea of living in tents. What, is, what does that mean for us? Serving God, living as Christians, following God. And, and some of my own, I'll share some of my own reflections, uh, my experience thinking about uh, that kind of tent dwelling life. Right? And then at the end of the message, I'll, I'll hit the portion on the altar. So the title today, that's the title today, Tents and Altars. Okay, so that's, that's us. Did I, is that just coming up now? Okay, see, this is what I mean. My sense of the, now it feels like the beginning of the message. So Tents and Altars, all right, I'll, I'll speak quickly. You know, the fact that Abraham left his home and lived in tents for the rest of his life, that's really significant. You know, that, that's a, a, one big way to characterize his life. In the book of Hebrews, in the, in the New Testament, this is, the, this is how the writer of Hebrews uh, characterizes his life. This is Hebrews 11.9. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. So it, it, you know, that's, that's a, a major description of him. He lived in tents. He was a stranger in a foreign country. The tents are for people just kind of passing through the area. And, and, and that's the way, that's the idea, that's the visual that I want us to, to hold on to as we think about what does it mean to live a Christian life? You know, what does Abraham's life show me about following God? It's just we're passing through. And that's what tents are for. I, I'm not counting those times, you know, like, Parents, you know, when you sleep with your kids, young kids in the living room, you set up the tent or like in the backyard or on the front porch. You ever do that? Anybody do that? No, just me. Wow. Sorry. Okay. So I'm not counting those times. Okay. Those are not real tent experiences, but you've been camping. You've been camping. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. All right. I just needed some affirmation there. All right. So you've been camping. You're you're in the tent in, in the camping, right? And, and that, that idea to me, it's like, I'm not just fixed on where I am, who I am. I'm not just fixed on, my, on myself. I'm not like planted in one place and looking and going, how can I pull this towards me? Right? What do I see in my life? This like, education and this opportunity and this relationship, like just kind of pulling and building myself up into like a strong tower uh, versus like I'm looking out going, where's God leading? Right? I'm going this way. I'm going that way. So, right, do, you, do you follow my, my imagery there? Right? So I, I'm, I'm moving. I'm not just like, how can I build myself up? It's not like the Tower of Babel. It's like, let's gather together and make a name for ourselves and plant ourselves and like build a big structure. And God says, there's a problem with that. Right? Kind of contrasting that with Abraham's nomad life. But this idea of living has this sense of adventure now. So I'm going to start with a, a positive. There's this adventure. Oh, yes, there, there is definitely appeal to staying planted here and, and pulling and drawing and building myself up. But God says that, that's a problem. You can't really experience what I have for you when you do that. You cannot become a new creation when you do that. All you're doing is just maintaining and building up the identity that the world gave you. And so you got to let that go and you got to come with me on this adventure. 
And then now we can lift our eyes up and go, where's God going? What's he doing with my life? He leads this way, and he leads this way, and he pauses, then he moves forward, then he moves back around. You see, you'll see in Abraham's life, he kind of comes back around. He stays in the same place that he was before. It's really interesting. And that's, I think, part of what God wants to do. And I'll go into like, well, well what is the uh, purpose of that as well? And when I was, I don't know, I think you can say I have kind of an advantage. But, you know, when, when we have this attitude of looking out and seeing, okay, how does God want me to honor him at this part, at this juncture of my life? You know, you start looking at people. You start looking at situations. You start looking at opportunities from that perspective, that, that tent-dwelling perspective. Again, right, not planted and building myself up, but following God's leading. And, and you might say, I have an advantage because, okay, I'm a missionary, right? So, and, I, and not just that, but I went to another country. So, like, I, I'm meeting more new people than uh, if, I if I stayed here in New York. Uh, but still, I think you, you understand, like, as you look out at people, that you encounter, right? When you have the perspective of where is God leading with this, right? There is this like adventurous, there's this excitement, there's this joyful, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Right? There's uncertainty, sometimes confusion. And, and that's what I call adventure, right? A little bit uncertain, a little bit unpredictable, joyful, serendipitous, miraculous. I know Pastor Daniel has talked about this a lot because we love talking about this, but the, the renovations that are going on right now at the new church facility that I mentioned, it's been completely directed by uh, Neo. You, many of you remember Neo and Esther. They came and visited New York actually uh, many years ago, several years ago after we met them. When we first met Neo and Esther in Thailand, not even when we moved there, it was like before we moved there, it was on one of the scouting trips. And Johnny McLean uh, can't get, into his background too, but another, you know, miraculous uh, connection. Johnny McLean introduced us to him. Johnny McLean kind of knew him. But he introduced us to him because Neo and Esther had a restaurant right next to the university. Many of you know this story. And, you know, after we moved to Thailand, we did some things in the restaurant because it was near the university. And then at, at one point, they said, if you want to use our restaurant, we're closed on Sundays. They're Christian. If you want to use our restaurant, you know, please, you know, we want to provide it for you. So we met in, in that restaurant on Sundays for our church, starting from the beginning. And, and it was like, wow, this is really miraculous. Right? It's amazing. After a short time, about a year, they had to close their restaurant. But Neil was an architect. Neil was an architect by profession. So even while doing the restaurant, he was doing architect uh, freelancing and he, uh, has a now uh, his own architect, small architect company. He has done churches. He has designed huge churches. He has done like redesigning of interiors, like church meeting rooms. So, you know, when it came time to re-renovate this facility, like I know like less than zero about anything that has to do with this. You know, Eunice and I were like, oh yeah, we'll just renovate. We'll just build a new bathroom, right? We'll just tell the contractors, build a new bathroom. Neo, we communicated with him. He is running everything. He's running everything. So this is the part of the, the details that I can't get into, but it is amazing. I can show you pictures of how amazing what he is taking on that I just cannot absolutely imagine. 
but he's communicating with the contractor. He's at the uh, site at least once a week. And he, he's doing everything for us. In Thai, of course, right? Like, so can you imagine me or Eunice trying to communicate with a contractor? And if you have ever renovated your house, you, you know the difficulties of it. You know, just communicating in, in the language that you know is difficult enough and the unpredictability of it. So, so Neo, who, who we met, like before we even moved to Thailand, who provided the first place for our church, is now basically, you know, spearheading and directing our new church facilities renovation. So in, in some ways, we're going to walk in, we're going to be surprised, we're going to be like, oh, like we're not, we didn't know it was going to look like that. It, I mean, there's, there's a lot of situations like that. And to me, that's, you know, that's an example of this largely describing adventurous life, right? This like, God is blessing us with movement that you know, if I found myself just planted and saying, this is what my life is supposed to be, and this is who I am, I, d- I don't know that I would experience things like that. Let me give you another example. There's a um, young woman coming to our church now. Uh, she's been coming for a couple of years. Her name is Da. Uh, she's a mature Christian. We met her when we first moved to Thailand. We were working, teaching English at the Baptist Student Center. Even Clarice taught there. So it was a long time ago. Uh, the laws were there are uh, first six months. Da was working at the Baptist Student Center. Her English is like excellent. Uh, we met her. We didn't like necessarily have a relationship with her. We just knew her because she worked at the same place. We didn't communicate with her for many years. She shows up to English in Action two years ago. English in Action is the main outreach that many, many, many of you have come to and helped at, at the university. And then she started coming to our church. Turns out she lives in that area, right? And uh, because of some of her family needs, it was uh, required, necessary for her to be near her home, very close to her home on Sunday uh, while at church. So she decided to start coming to our church and she's been coming. And like I said, she's a mature Christian. She speaks English really well. So she's super, super helpful and encouragement to us and a blessing. And like, I'm so thankful. And you know, it's not like we were, we, we, we spotted her when we arrived in Thailand and said, oh, we, you know, we need her to come to our church. It was nothing like that. Right? And, and this is what I mean, right? So there's just this like ways that God is like weaving in what he wants to do and who he wants uh, to, us to um, receive help from and be encouraged by and uh, interact with. That's, some of the things that I thought about when I think about, okay, living in tent, what does that mean for me, right? Living in a tent. There's some other things, right? There's some, some darker things, right? Uh, you know, pitching a tent, pitching a tent means no permanent roots, right? We're, we're heading to an eternal home in the kingdom of heaven. That's really the, the main idea. Our, our, our foundation is not in this world. We don't set our hearts on the things of this world. I, I'm going to contrast that later with being wholehearted. It's different, right? Setting our hearts and being wholehearted is different. But we don't establish like our security, our, our identity, as I said before, on the things of this world. Right? This world is not our home. That's what it means to be a tent dweller and a nomad, right? As Hebrews, Hebrews 11.10 goes on, the next verse after uh, 
what I read previously. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. That's another, that's a further description of Abraham's life. As he lived a stranger in a foreign country in tents, the whole time he was looking forward. That's how, that's how we're supposed to live. We look forward to our eternal home where we can rest in God. As exciting as the adventurous life is, I'm sure we're all looking forward to that eternal home where we rest in God. But if we stake our hearts down, if we root our hearts down in this world, we will not press on to see what God wants to do in our lives while we're here. So living as a sojourner here, it means that we have to be careful that we don't become like bound, bound and rooted to the things of this earth. I'm not just talking about like seeking comfort or success or wealth. You know, we all know those are, those are not worth it. I'm not even talking about those things. I'm talking more about like our, our worth and value of ourselves, our, our deep significance and who we are. God called us out of that previously established identity, but we have this tendency to try to latch onto something, right? We see something as we progress through life and we want to latch onto it and we say, oh, this is who I am. I want this to define me. I want this to give me worth and value. It could be like career and achievements, but I want to say for me, for example, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Like, If I say, who am I? I would say, oh, I'm a husband. I'm a father. And I think there are so, there's so much temptation to want to attach my worth to how I am in those relationships. Am I a good husband? Good on me. Did I raise my children well? Right? That shows if I can say yes, maybe not an emphatic yes, but if I can say, you know, okay, to those things, it helps me to like elevate. I go, that's who I am. That's who I am. But really, when you think about it, aren't those relationships and those roles all in the realm of tent dwelling? Aren't they, don't they have the reference point in this world? and not our eternal home. They do. Jesus said as much. And so actually, God's teaching me, no, you cannot stake your identity in those things. So I'm finding, I have to be really careful about something like that. Even serving God. Now I identify myself as a missionary, as a minister, as a church planter, church maintainer, a servant of the church. And I want to base kind of who I am on the results of those things. How am I doing in those areas? Because that's, right, I, I, that's the role that I feel like God has assigned me. So I want to, 
base my significance on the outcome, on the results of those endeavors. But actually, they too fall into that category of tent dwelling, right? One day we're going to fold all those up and we're going to enter our eternal home. I'm not going to be a pastor. <laughs> I'm not going to be a church planter or a missionary. And yet, because those are my roles, I have plans, I have hopes, I have expectations, I have pressures and, and insecurity and anxiety. And those are the things that tip me off to this. Like, why am I anxious and insecure about these? And that's what kind of tipped me off to the fact that I was staking my significance and identity on these tent-dwelling, tent-dweller realms. But even as uh, a pastor, I have to allow God to expose me and, and, and through my serving, show me that. Many of you know there's a, uh, there's a family that is currently coming to our church. Right? They're a Pakistani family. And even the story of how they came, actually, there's a, there's a young Christian man <clears throat> that I met at the IDC, International Detention Center, early, early on when I was in Thailand. Just ran into him, started talking to him. He speaks English well. Didn't really, again, maintain a relationship with him. Just saw him once in a while here and there. And one day when he ran into me, he's like, hey, Pastor Johnny, uh, are you still doing the church in that Bangmot area? I said, yes. And he goes, there's a family that lives there. And uh, I want to ask, tell them to go, go to your church because the church that they come to, that I go to is very far for them, et cetera. And they're a Pakistani family. And uh, they started coming. And my, initially, I wasn't sure how to minister to them. You know, I, I really didn't have experience or I, what I felt was like the wisdom and capability to minister to them. They've been coming two years. And uh, many of you know their situation. Uh, they're in a very, very uh, difficult situation. And over these past two years, I can say, God has really blessed me through knowing them. God has really shown me and uh, things opened a perspective that I've never otherwise had in terms of ministry, even just life experience. And so the, the initial anxiety, confusion, uncertainty that, that kind of weighed in, like, how am I going to be successful in pastoring? Right? You, you, you see what I'm saying? I mean, it was hard enough trying to think, like, how am I going to be successful as a uh, pastor in Thailand who barely speaks the language and understands the culture? But now it's like this, uh, a whole nother level because of the uh, you know, people that come to our church that like, I'm like, I'm not expecting this. This isn't the way I envisioned the CFC Bangkok, right? But God, in his infinite wisdom and patience and mercy, said, here's what I'm going to do to you. Here's what I'm going to expose in you. And here's how I'm going to bless you. Like, I think that to me is a big, big part of tent dwelling. Because it's not just like, again, it's not just like, you know, am I good at ministering to these people? 
Right? It's what do I think of myself as I see the inadequacy and the uncertainty and the anxiety. And I, and I think God, as he exposes that through you know, sending me from place to place and sending different people into my life, uh, that's a difficult thing and uh, something that I'm really grateful for and something that I wanted to share with you. It is exciting to see how God, like weaving God, how, how he's weaving people and events throughout our journey. And, and please, like I said, don't, don't look at me and say, oh, you have an advantage. You know, you're in a different situation. True, I am in a different situation. But isn't, you know, Abraham the, the role model for all of us? Isn't he the father of faith? Isn't he someone who, who, whose experience with God we want to emulate? And, and if you know his story, like he, he made some horrible mistakes. Right? He was like, he did some crazy things, right? He was lying about who, who his wife is. And, you know, she's my sister just to protect himself. He did that twice, right? He's in conflict with neighbors. He's in conflict with his wife. He tried to have an heir, an heir, uh, an heir, a son through his wife's maidservant, you know, at her prompting, he, he went through with that. He, um, you know, had conflicts with her, you know, as a result of that. It's like, you know, this is not like your ideal guy, but it isn't his experience with God our, our model. Aren't we called to be tent dwellers to experience this adventurous, exciting, uprooting, identity reshaping life with God? Isn't that the journey? we're called on. As each of us are called to follow and serve God, we serve, I know we serve in different, we serve this church, we serve our community, we serve family, parents, friends, for the glory of God. We are sojourners through this world. And you realize I'm talking about like absolutely important stuff. I'm talking about like the most important things about our lives. I'm talking about you know, your role as a father, mother, son, daughter, your career, right? Teaching, ministering, serving, being examples. I mean, these are not small matters. So please don't think that, you know, tent dwelling means we are careless. We are haphazard. We got to be absolutely wholehearted. You know, actually putting in a tent, if you've ever put in a tent, like just because you're, you're going to sleep in that tent for like a couple of nights or even one night, you're not going to do it carelessly. Right? You want to make sure that the stakes are like really in the right angle and the right place. The guidelines are tight and set. Right, the rain fly is on. You select a, a good level ground because if you try to sleep like this, it's super uncomfortable and you can't hike the next day. If if that's not you, I don't want to go camping with you, right? So just because you're gonna sleep there one night, it doesn't mean you do it carelessly. 
So just because I'm saying these do not form my identity, these are not the base of our significance, doesn't mean I'm going to be like, eh, you know, I may, may be a good husband, you know, I may try to you know, be a good pastor or not. That, that's, obviously, that's not what I mean. We got to go all out. Right? We got to go wholehearted. And that's why you see it's so hard to go wholehearted but not plant your heart there. You see, like, that's why it's so difficult because God calls us to serve faithfully, passionately, completely. But that's not who we are. So yes, I encourage you to serve passionately, wholeheartedly, fervently. And when you do, I think God will expose, if you have that, some, you know, the same tendencies as me, God will expose, well, what do you think about this? What do you think you're going to achieve with this? How are you reacting? Because when you serve in that way, you know, you know, that you will feel unappreciated, undervalued, ineffective. Believe me, you know, after preaching for many years, I know the feeling. You'll feel like ineffective. Worse, you might feel hurt. You might feel betrayed. And when those come, we have to evaluate, what did I think this was going to do for me? What did I hope and expect this was? If not part of God's tent dwelling life. So yeah, I, I, I fully, fully understand the tension between wholehearted but not putting my heart here. God expects that from us. God demands that from us. God enables us and equips us to do that. We should plead with God to help us be the best friend, leader, follower, servant that we can be. The best spouse, best son or daughter, the best worker that we could be. Yeah, yes, absolutely. But we have to constantly ask God, help me to escape making the result. because. You know, competent people will definitely want to make that the source of their significance and identity. But between the mistakes that we made, like Abraham, and the misunderstandings, and the underappreciation, and the hurts that we experience, God says, this is why you can't make that the foundation of who you are. So what is it then? Like, what, what did I, you know, like, what did I leave out? I named so many things about our lives. Like, what's left, right? What's left? And we see in Abraham, what is it that defines us? What, what is it that's going to be, what's, that's going to last beyond this sojourning world that we have? We're worshipers of God. 
That's our identity. We are worshipers of God. That's what defines us. We are altar builders. Abraham sojourned through the rest of his life, pitching tents, building altars. That altar means God showed up, like in a special way, right? He, He arrives in Canaan, and he's like, here I am, God. And he looks around, there's all these powerful Canaanites, and Abraham's going, wait, what does this mean? Is this going to be my land or not, right? Anxiety, uncertainty, confusion, probably not fearing the serendipitous joy at that point. And God shows up and says, this will be your land. And Abraham is assured, builds an altar. Mark's, God revealed himself to me. I worshiped God. I committed myself to God. That's what lasts. That goes beyond this world. That's who we are. That's what the authors represent. Abraham you know, journeys around. He comes and he lands in another spot. Calls on the name of the Lord. Builds an altar. And this is not the only two times. You see in, uh, later in his life, there's a, a few more times. So when he looks back on his life, where he came, where God led him through, he looks back, what does he see? He doesn't see houses that he lived in. He doesn't see cities that he built. He sees these rock piles. Those are his encounters with God. Those are the times that he worshiped God. God shows up in our lives, right? God comes and he encourages us. He strengthens us so that we can obey him. He he confirms his promise. He gives us supernatural comfort when we're in distress. When we don't know what to do, he gives us us wisdom. He convicts us of sin. He reassures us of his forgiveness. By his spirit, he pours out his love into our hearts so that we can experience that love fresh and new each day. When we have to claim Jesus' sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, we're building an altar. We're worshiping God. We sacrifice ourselves as a living sacrifice. Those are times of altar building. That's when we truly encounter God. These are the experiences that shape our identity as new creation in Jesus. Not the, not the things that fall into the realm of tent dwelling, as important as they are, as wholeheartedly as we have to put ourselves into them. The things that shape our identity are our encounters with God that happen as we journey with him, right? They only happen when we dwell in the tents, not when we stay planted and say, this is who I am, and this is who I will be, and this is how I will build myself up. In, those, in that life, we will not build altars. As we go through this life, through prayer, through repentance, through the searching of God's spirit, through walking alongside others. God shapes 
our new identity in Him. Through journeying with God into the unknown, difficult, adventurous situations of serving, of representing Him, we build these altars. Christian life, our Christian life is characterized by that journey. Pitching tents, building altars. That's us. It's not, it's not one or the other. It's both. And I'm saying we, we can't have those altar experiences without understanding what it means to dwell in the tents. Give our best. Right? No shortcuts. No slacking, no compromise, no excuse. Ah, oh, this is temporary. This is not my world. No excuse. But at the same time, look for those opportunities to raise altar to the Lord. Ask God for the deep, impactful experiences as you latch your heart onto Him. And these mark our journey, right? These mark our progress. Let's uh, close together in prayer. Lord, thank you that you called us out from who we thought we were, from the place of our lives where we wanted to establish our identity, where we were forced to establish our identity. Uh, thank you for calling us to a life where we cannot lay down those deceptive roots again, where we follow you on an adventure. And we know that this adventure sometimes brings joy and surprises. Sometimes it brings heartache, and anxiety, and disappointment. But through all of these, we experience you. We encounter you. You, you show up. And we are so thankful for that. Help us to mark those times. Help us to build those altars so that our identity becomes more and more firm, formed in Christ as you want to. Please use the journey that you set us on. Please use the, the encounters and events that mark our lives in order to show yourself to us. Thank you for your patience, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you have a plan for us in this world that carries us on into our heavenly home. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.